Praise God. I want to continue as I have been for the last uh, several Wednesdays that I've been in the pulpit ministering on the subject of healing, healing for the body. It's a huge subject and one of my favorite. I've just been passionate about this uh, subject, uh, you know, for 25 years I've been studying it and I never get too far away from, uh, you know, reading about healing and thinking about it, confessing it every day over my life. And how many of you know, it doesn't matter how how greatly you're anointed, how high the calling, how much resources you have, if your body's broken, if you're sick and diseased, if you're too weak to get up and really diligently and passionately go about the Lord's business, then you're hindered in your life. Uh, That to, uh, to whatever degree you're hindered by sickness and disease, then... Uh, to that degree, the plan of God's not going to be able to be walked out, you know, and accomplished uh, in our lives. And still today, as much progress as the body of Christ has made across the spectrum of camps and denominations on this subject, we still have so, so, such a far distance to go to get the full truth and light over to the body of Christ on the planet today about God's will when it comes to the healing of our body. Amen. And uh, so let's pray. And we're going to jump into the word tonight. Father, we thank you tonight. We love you. We, we uh, call you savior. We call you provider. We call you deliverer. We call you father. But I'm so glad, Father, that from your word, from the Old Testament all the way to the end, it's so clear to me that, Father, we can and should call you healer. You are the great physician. And Lord, I just, I pray for the uh, online uh, congregation tonight inside that whatever may be going on in their bodies, whatever attacks may have come, Lord, I ask that you give us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, let the eyes of our hearts, our spirits be enlightened by your spirit through the preaching and teaching of your word that the, you would shine the light of reality and truth. And it wouldn't just come out and land on the person as information, but it will come to them as a living revelation that they can be, they should be, it's the will of God for them to be, and that faith rises and they do become the healed, the strong, the whole, the healthy. I thank you, Father, for helping me tonight. Uh, Just use me as an instrument. And anoint their eyes and their ears and their hearts and their minds to take it and grab hold of it and to be changed, never to be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'd like you to join me. I'm already there. In Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I got my phone up with the stream, at least on Facebook. I can see some of you out there. Praise God. So glad that you're out there. Amen. Glory to God. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I want to teach you tonight about the origin of sickness. We need to have a real good um, biblical understanding of how sickness fits uh, into the overall experience of humanity. How did it get here? Why is it here? (laughs) How do we get rid of it? Uh, Praise God. And we've already talked about, especially, um, I know my wife just did such a great, uh, you know, job last week ministering to us about the plan of God and following instructions but it was two weeks before that I talked to you about you know the subject that Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father remember he told Philip that if you have seen me you've seen the father 
And that over in Hebrews chapter 2, that Jesus, His physical life, His teachings, His actions on the earth, according to Hebrews uh, chapter 1, is that He is the outraying or the perfect image of God the Father. Who the Father is, what the Father's like. And so if we wonder today what God's attitude is toward your healing, what is He thinking about it? Amen? A lot of people are just confused. They don't know. Uh, what is God when it comes to me and what I'm going through right now in the area of sickness, disease, brokenness, lameness in my body? What is His thought about it? Well, we know from Hebrews 13, 8 that Jesus Christ is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the way He was back then is the way He is today, and He's going to be that way forever. And when, we, when He was on the earth, come on, we saw that when He found a woman that was bowed over for 18 years, Oppressed by Satan, he said, he said, woman, be thou loosed from thine infirmity. And that tells you what Jesus' attitude was, what his will was, what his mind was to her and about her condition. He saw it. He didn't like it. He recalled that she's a daughter of Abraham. She's got a covenant with Jehovah. She's got a right to be healed. And he healed her. He set her free. Amen. When the leper came to Jesus and said, Lord, I know uh, that if you're willing, I know you can, you could heal me. He said, I'm willing. Be thou cleansed. And immediately in that day, you know, today we can cure leprosy with a pill. It's really not a thing. But in that day, it was a death sentence. A slow, miserable, isolated, lonely death sentence. Jesus immediately touched him and his leprosy was cleansed. Amen? So we're going to talk more tonight. Just build on our knowledge, uh, praise God, from God's word about this important Subject. Amen. So in Deuteronomy chapter 7, let's begin reading in verse 14. We'll read down and we want to read the 15th verse. It says, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or even among your cattle. What is, this God, what is God saying here about infertility? Reproductive issues. Not His will. Not His will. Even way back there under the law of Moses, in this covenant of flesh, in this covenant of works, they had a covenant that if they lived in the light of that covenant, there wouldn't be any infertility among any married couple among the Jews. Praise God. Why? Because God's original intent for man, what did He tell them way back there before the fall? Be fruitful and multiply. And God designed a reproductive system to make that happen. And he wants it functioning. And we've prayed for, you know, I could probably tell you five or six stories over the years of people the doctor said, you'll never have a baby, you'll never have a child. And yet they have them. Praise God. I remember a precious South African couple. They're still, I, I, I only get to interact with them on Facebook. The governors. Anybody remember the governors? And a precious couple. We were way back at Jackson Street, just, just early in our pastoral time here and, and they wanted children. They were having a baby and, and uh, I don't remember the particulars. Uh, praise God. I think it was an issue on her side. A doctor said you'll never be able to have children. Well, we just prayed, took authority over that, laid hands on her, believed God. And I think well, how many kids she's got now? At least three. <laughs> praise God. Amen. Now I know some of you, you don't want that anointing, so you don't have to have it. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Look at verse 15. And it says, and the Lord will take away. I like this. The Lord will take away from thee 
most of your sickness, some of your sickness, a little bit of your sickness, all sickness. And I will put, it would be better translated in the original Hebrew, allow or permit. I will permit none of the, here's why I brought you here. How does it describe disease? It's evil. My, the King James says evil. The evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest. Now, Egypt, of course, is a type of the world, right? So with that understanding, we could read it this way. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will permit none of the evil diseases of the world. Which you know to come upon you, but will lay them upon all that hate you. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, again, this is covenant language. We are covenant people. Serving a covenant God. Everything God does for us is on the basis of covenant. If it weren't for that covenant, He couldn't do it. And if it's outside the covenant, He won't do it. But everything related to your life, all things pertaining to life and godliness, He's already given, and He's given it on the strength of a blood covenant. I don't have time to run that trail with you. But you can't get stronger in in any human or... Uh, any experience than a covenant. And I know that in our culture and society, you know, we're far removed from a covenant mentality. But I'm not. I'm covenant-minded. And I'm endeavoring to become more covenant-minded. Amen? You know, so when Brother Trevor and Sister Corey, if they go through something, I'm in covenant towards them. Amen. They came into a covenant with my wife and I. Amen. And, and praise God, I don't care if I see them on News Channel 6 and, you know, they shot their dog and, and you know, went off the rails and shoplifted. I, I don't care. I'm going to be right there with them. I'm not going to climb up in any sin, but, but I don't care what. If something happens, they go through a trial. I'm covenant-minded towards them. Amen. We should be cov- in covenant. We should be covenant-minded toward each other. You know, the way I see it, I, I just can't, you know, get tired of this place and leave. Not if I want to live. I'd like to live. But you know, on the other side, how do you feel about it? Well, not everybody does. But we need to develop this kind of mentality. And I just so thank God. God is extreme in His thinking about covenant. I mean, when you get a revelation of the covenant we have with God, it'll drive far from you this idea, maybe God won't. I wonder if He will. He must. He must because of his promise, because of his oath. Anyway, praise God. That's good preaching, but we've got a different track to, to run tonight. Notice that he said disease was evil. Now, why would I want to bring this up? Well, because some Christians have been taught that sometimes sickness comes from God. That God's willed it. He's authored it. He wants it for some reason to be in your life, to make you more pious, to, to, uh, to um, make you more holy, to uh, test your faith, to whatever, to teach you a lesson. Well, according to this verse, if that were true, then God in that is a propagator 
of something he himself said was evil. And that God would have to be party to evil. If he was ever behind in any way making you or I sick. Sickness and disease is what? It's evil. That's how you need to think about it. So as a Christian, as a child of God, should you be fellowshipping with anything evil? Partaking of anything evil? No, praise God. You need to see sickness as an enemy. Sickness is your enemy. You don't have to turn there, but write these references down if you want to. 1 John 1, 5 backs this up, talking about the character of God. Uh, It says, this is the message that we have heard from Him and that we proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. How much darkness or evil is in God? None at all. Amen? Psalm chapter 5 verse 4 in the Good News translation says this, You are not a God who is pleased with wrongdoing. You allow no evil in your presence. How much evil will God permit in His presence? None. And sickness is evil. So, this is how I think in my brain. Can there be any sickness in God's presence? Well, here's one surefire way to get healed then. Just right, just take that sickness... And get in God's presence. And God's presence would be like a bug zapper. You ever hang one of those little bug zappers up? You know, it's got that light. Mm, the fly jumps in there. The mosquito jumps in there. And you hear... Zzz. Well, the glory and the life and the power that's emanating off of God when it comes into contact with a virus or a disease or something that's evil, zap, there it goes. Amen. Praise God. Listen to this uh, scripture, James chapter 1, verse 13. James instructs us by the Holy Ghost saying, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. And sickness is evil. So is he tempting? Is he putting that out there? No. He's not evil. He doesn't play with evil. Sickness is evil. He doesn't have any. There's none in his presence. If he was going to put sickness on you, Ryan, where would he get it? He doesn't have any. Amen. We're talking about the origin of sickness. Amen. So if it doesn't come from God, it's not a part of God's plan. Uh, It's the antithesis of him because God is good. He's righteous and holy. Sickness is evil. Well, then where does it come from? Well, it comes from Satan. Amen. So we want to understand that uh, what is the true origin of sickness and disease. And therefore, when we find that out, we'll be able to find the, the, the most powerful cure for it or the remedy for it. Amen. So let's talk about this for a moment. Y'all are with me, right? Amen. Uh, I want to say this to you and I want to get it. So I'm just going to speak real slow. (laughs) Amen. Sickness is not natural. Sickness is not natural. It's not? No, it's not. It doesn't 
have its root in the natural. It doesn't draw its, I'll call it life, its, its energy from the natural. It has an effect in the natural, but its root, its source, is not natural. Sickness is not natural. Well, if it's not natural, what is it then? It's spiritual. Really, the purest, deepest, most original root and source of all sickness is spiritual. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to just, you don't have to meditate. You have to take it if you're, you know, because, you know, think about the mentality, right? You know, a symptom happens or, you know, we're going through something and we just want to attack it naturally. And if you don't understand that sickness and disease has a spiritual spring, then it could be that you'll never overcome it with the natural because you cannot solve and fix spiritual problems with Tylenol. Amen? Praise God. Now I do want you to turn here. Let's go over to the New Testament, to the book of Romans, chapter 5. In in verse 12, and we'll see in one scripture, you'll see the springboard of sickness. How did sickness and when did sickness gain access to the human condition? Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. So Paul's in the midst of a wonderful chapter and he says, Wherefore, as by one man, who's the one man? Adam, sin entered the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. I want you to notice something. Death gained entrance to the human condition the same day sin did. Before sin, sickness wasn't a thing. Having hip trouble wasn't a thing. Having headaches wasn't a thing. Having a diseased heart or a liver wasn't a thing. High blood pressure wasn't a thing. Cancer wasn't a thing. AIDS wasn't a thing. COVID wasn't a thing. Dying was not a thing. Right? But these negatives came the same, at the same moment, in the same event, through the same door, at the same time. Sin, the moment sin was committed, death came. Death entered in. Now you understand that sickness is death on the way. Or as F.F. Bosworth calls it in his classic book, right, Christ the Healer, death, sickness is incipient death. That's just a fancy word to say, Death on the way. In other words, when a sickness begins in your body, if your body can't fight that off, if the natural means or processes doesn't stop it, impede it, it will end in death in every case, every time. Sickness is death on the way. Disease is death on the way. So you can see right here, can't you? How did sin enter into the world? It entered in through the door 
of sin. Sickness is connected to sin. Now here's where you make that statement, people can get confused and think, well, every time sickness comes, you know, shows up in my life, I must have sinned. No, not necessarily. But it's in the world, it's a thing, as a consequence of the fall. And it's spread to every person. Amen. Glory to God. And if, you know, what we're talking about is healing. When I mention healing, I'm not talking about healing through the nutritionist or healing through the doctor. We're talking about receiving healing from God. That the reason you were sick and now you're not. You were in pain and and now you're not. You, you, You were broken, but now you're not. Amen. It's not because of a procedure or a medicine or a doctor or anything like that, but God did it. God's power did it. That's healing from God. Amen. Well, that's spiritual, isn't it? I just tell you, we think so naturally. We think so naturally about this stuff. You know, I bring up, well, what's going on? Well, I'm dealing with this, and I know what I need to do. I need to make an appointment with so-and-so and get this elixir and, and this thing and that thing. And, and it's fine to attack a disease from the natural. But you understand where it really stems is in the spirit. And the best way to attack it is in the spirit. Amen. Praise God. So, praise God. Um, Let me make this statement. I'll just read this from my notes. Here's what I want you to see. Since the true cause of sickness is linked to man's sin then the true remedy of sickness and disease must be linked to the redemptive work of Christ. Amen. If people ask, okay, did, uh, did Jesus pay for my healing when He paid for my sin? If we can answer that question in the affirmative, oh man, we're in a different place. Aren't we? Well, again, let's think about this. Why is sickness here? Well, sickness and disease is the physical penalty for sin. That's why it's in the earth. Sickness and disease is the physical part of the curse. In Genesis, we won't take time to go back there unless the Lord just pulls on me or you want me to. But God in unequivocal terms told Adam and Eve, Do not eat the fruit of this one tree. And know that if you do, in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. In other words, the day that you disobey me and do this, you will be subject to death. Now notice he didn't drop dead physically. In fact, he lived 900 some odd years. But that moment his body became subject to viruses, diseases, accidents, tragedies. Before then, he couldn't even injure himself. You know, bang his head, nothing's going to happen to him because he, <laughs> there's just no ability to injure yourself, to hurt yourself. It just wasn't a thing. But with sin, which is sin is spiritual. And its penalty, the physical part of the penalty, is the sickness and the disease. Well, praise God, this, this gets really good. Uh, actually, let's go here now to Acts chapter 10. Hallelujah. I'll just go ahead and um, 
jump out ahead of myself, praise God. But, you know, let me ask you an easy question. Has Jesus dealt with your sin? Did he deal with it? We're well versed in that part of the gospel. So the, the thing that opened the door for this awful thing in human experience, you know, there, to, somewhere tonight there's a mom and a daddy weeping and crying, and just in absolute anguish with their emaciated child who's lost his hair. And they're getting every moment they can in the cancer ward with their child. That's happening tonight. Amen. There are, you know, uh, adult children that are caring for declining, diseased, broken, aged parents. It's just awful. It's just downright not fun to feel bad. And it's all here because of the sin. Sin, Sickness is the physical penalty for the sin. But has Jesus paid for the sin? Amen. All right, so bear with me because I'm going to read this scripture, but like I said, I just got out ahead of myself, so we'll kind of back up. Look at uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I know many of you know it. Praise God. Look at what it says. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Do you see all three members of the Godhead? I see God the Father anointing Jesus the Son with the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, and with power, who went about doing good. He went about doing good. I wonder what, what good looks like. What does good look like? Well, he went about doing good and what? Come on, healing all. He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Right? How wonderful a verse. We see all the members of the Godhead ganging up on the devil who is behind the sickness and the disease. Praise God. For God was with him. So you can see, Satan is the oppressor. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the deliverer. Amen? And so when sickness shows up, you know, I want you to know when sickness shows up, that the thing that showed up is evil. I want you to know that the thing that showed up is not from God. Amen? Amen. I want you to know when that disease or pain shows up in your body, it's a work of Satan, not a work of God. And when it does, you should turn confidently to your covenant with God and receive your healing from Jesus. I'm talking, you shouldn't be jumping through. When I get done with you, you shouldn't be jumping through any hoops. Oh my God, I wonder if God, maybe, no. You know, right? Black and white, praise God. That's of the devil. Healings from God. I'm a child of God. I'll take my healing. Thank you. And it's just sad to me. This, you know, and I, I really think I understand to a great degree. You know, it's just sad to me. Christians that I know and love, they struggle in this area. They just struggle receiving it. They struggle to get a hold of it. They want it. They believe in healing as a thing, but they never seem to lay hold of it and experience it. It's got to be more to you than information. And believing in healing won't get you healed. Believing in healing won't get you healed. 
The devil believes in God. That's not getting him to heaven. You have to have a living revelation in your heart about this. And it's going to take some time. You with God in his word and in fellowship. But you know, I, uh, day before yesterday, I came home and uh, it was kind of, I knew we were just kind of needing to reset the garden. You know, all the plants had kind of, you know, produced and they looked kind of sad and grass had come in, taken over. And, and if we're going to do any winter crops, you need to reset. So I got out to tiller out and I'm in there working and doing stuff. And I didn't feel that I did anything, but I woke up the next day and I started to get out of bed. And the inside of my knee, I could tell I had twisted it. I'd wrenched it. I'd hurt it. It was extremely painful uh, to navigate. I mean, I'm like, you know, trying to get trying to move it and getting out on the coffee. So, you know, in my devotional time, I've learned something. See, I'm smart. I'm not going to stay religiously focused on these five chapters over here. No, it's a healing day because that's what I need because I really don't want to have experienced this all the time. So I got out that handout Dr. Jacobs gave me. Amen. And I just flipped to a page, started reading, started making those confessions, started worshiping God, started thanking God. And, and I mean... Glory to God and set it down and started going. And there was a little bit of pain there. But I mean, just an hour or two later, gone. That thing boogied. Now, it just, some sort of irritation or, you know, damaged it. But, you know, praise God. I want it to be that, that alive for you and that easy for you to just say, healing's mine, I receive it now. Thank you for it, Father. And it actually show up. Amen. But it's got to come to you as a revelation. I don't know what else to tell you. Praise God. You, you operating uh-huh, uh-huh, out of your head. It's got to be more than that. I'm not preaching this to you out of my head. Amen. It's something I know. Amen. This is something I have seen from the scriptures. I'm not making myself something, but you're going to have to wear out some Bibles like I have and and, and wear out some CDs and some books and spend some time with God thinking about this and talking about this and worshiping and asking Him some questions. Amen? And let God minister and root this truth down in your heart. Praise God. Let's go over to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. God wants you well. God wants you healed. If your body's been damaged, He wants to heal that. He wants to make you whole in that. Praise God. There's a tumor there. He wants to dissolve it. He wants to get, get that out of your body. Amen. He wants your organs to work. He wants you to have energy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 53. Beginning in verse 1, let's read some verses here. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, talking about the coming Messiah, which we know is Jesus, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. That just means when he showed up on the scene, he's not going to show up with a bunch of pomp and circumstance. And he didn't. Amen. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now let's stop here. In verses 3 and 4, you have, in my opinion, okay, it's an opinion, I'll tell you that, uh, maybe the most egregious, unjust, sad and tragic mistranslations in the King James Bible. They're not perfect. King James the whatever, when he commissioned this, he did not believe in the healing part. And his translators mistranslated two very important words. In our Bibles, in the King James, it's translated sorrows and griefs. Or in verse 4, the order is reversed, griefs and sorrows. Now these two Hebrew words, respectively, are used in many, many places throughout the Old Testament. And in every other place, it's translated sicknesses and pains always referring to physical sickness and physical pain. Not, not soul sickness, right? Not inner sickness, not emotional sickness. You're not talking about emotional grief and sorrow here. And so this mistranslation has injured, right, and blinded millions upon millions of Christians to the truth. Any fair honest commentary that you would read from any denomination or any good reference Bible will confirm what I'm saying. These two Hebrew words are literally griefs is sicknesses. Sorrows is pains. So knowing that now, let's read it again. Verse 3, the Messiah is despised and rejected of man. He is a man of pain, pains, and acquainted with sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, that's very strong language in the Bible, he hath borne our sicknesses. And he carried our Pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Now notice this phrase. This is true. Smitten of God. God did that. And afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes or bruises or blows, we are healed. That isn't spiritual healing. There is no such thing as spiritual healing. There is being born again. There is becoming a new creature in Christ. Now in verse 5, here we see the suffering Messiah. History knows, right? This was about 700 years before Jesus was crucified. And we're looking back, right? We know that on that day, here we can see Jesus in His redemptive work suffering for us in every area. Spirit, soul, body. Now do you see it in verse 
All three areas are represented. Jesus suffered, took your price, took your penalty upon Himself in every area. Spirit, soul, and body. Let's break it down. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. What is that? Sin. Our sin. Sin is spiritual. Sin made us dead unto God in spirit. We had to be made alive in spirit. So Jesus took our sin upon Himself. He who knew no sin was made to be sin, that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So there we see Him as our substitute in spirit. Then let's look at Him suffering for us in the soulish realm. The chastisement of our peace. Where do you need peace? In your mind. Your mind. Come on, that's where your emotions are. Your soul. Notice that this punishment, this discipline in the soulish realm was upon Him. So He, see, He suffered so that you could have right thinking. He suffered so that you could have peace. He suffered so that you could not lose your mind. Hello? And be tormented with fear. Be all, you know, injected up or swallowed up on, you know, medication. No, He suffered for us in the soulish realm. But what realm is left? The body, the physical realm, right? And with His stripes, we are healed. Glory to God. So the question we want to answer through these verses is, did Jesus pay for your healing at the same time He paid for your sin? Yes, He did. I said, yes, He did. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's back up and read it again. Look at verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows. When did He become a man of pain? Not until Calvary. He wasn't sick before then. He wasn't in pain before then. He is acquainted with sickness. When did he become acquainted with sickness? Now, on the cross. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne or carried your sickness. Your sickness, my sickness, he carried. Come on, is this good news? It's what you, why are you getting, you read it three times. I'm going to, I may read it three more times. How will I know when you get it? You ought to be running around this building and you want to go tell, like I did, you want to go tell everybody you knew. Bless God, I, I found out tonight at church, I'm never going to be sick another day in my life. Why? Glory to God. Amen. Since sin is spiritual and Jesus suffered for our sin, sin for us is no longer an issue. Why would God want us to experience the physical penalty? He who is pardoned gets out of jail. Hello? You get a governor's pardon, you get a, you get a presidential pardon, you are free. You are no longer experiencing the penalty of your action. You did it, but somebody else, come on, 
either paid for it or rented it or made a decision based on their authority and you're not only pardoned, but you're sitting in jail going, oh, isn't it great to be pardoned? That's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're pardoned of their sin going, isn't it great? And they're still suffering the penalty. He already paid for your sin. He no longer wants you. Not another moment, not another half second does he want you experiencing the penalty for something he already paid for. Amen. And I just refuse to be sick. I refuse to be weak. I refuse not to be healed. If something's not clicking, if something's not happening, I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm going to get alone with God in a hotel room or in my office or in my bedroom or in my church. And I, have, I am on talking terms with God. And I'm going to find out where's the hiccup in my giddy up. What's blocking the spout where the healing comes out. Because I have a covenant right to it. You have a covenant right to it. And it's not a matter of God not being His will today or tomorrow or right now. No, it is His will. It's always been His will. Don't make me get my whip out, praise God. And remind you of the device that was used to pay for your healing. You know, it's just amazing to me. I could, I just, it's just such an awesome... Well, skip down to verse 10 here. When I think about this day... This is Jesus voluntarily taking the full brunt of what you and I deserve and would have gotten. And God in that, Jesus is saying, I'm sacrificing. Judge me, Father. And in that moment, look at what it says in verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. One translation says it pleased the Lord to crush him in that moment. He, God, hath put him, Jesus, to grief. No, sickness. God made one person sick. And he made his son sick with all the sicknesses that there would ever be. He paid the price for it so that you and I could be free of it. Think about that. Why aren't preachers preaching this? Why are we preaching the opposite? Why are we, why are we telling people that, oh, you know, that God wants to get glory out of and in your sickness? You can't find that in the Bible. Why are we telling people that it passed away when we have no scripture for that? In fact, we have a whole bunch of scripture that says exactly the opposite. I I don't pretend to even know the answer. This says it pleased the Lord to crush Jesus. He, God, has put him to sickness. When you shall make, the prophet says this is going to happen when You, God, will make His, Jesus' soul, a what? An offering for sin. He shall see His seed. See, God on the other side of this is seeing redeemed children. He's seeing 
He's not just pleased, you know, to take this out on his own son, but he is pleased in the moment because he says, this is what is necessary to redeem you, to get my family back. And on the other side of it, I see my seed. I see my spiritual offspring. And you're sitting here today, his offspring. You're sitting here today, his seed. Hallelujah. They were working a divine plan. It had to be gut-wrenching even for the father and, of course, for the son. It says he will prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, and he has. For he shall bear their iniquities. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, the greatest commentary you could ever get on Isaiah 53 is Matthew 8, 17. Because the Holy Ghost inspired Matthew to quote what Jesus said after we already spent some time in Matthew 8. The healing of the leper, right? The healing of Peter's mother-in-law. The healing of the centurion's servant. The healing of the multitudes. Amen? And it says in verse 16, Matthew 8, 16, 17, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The commentary on what does Isaiah mean? Is it spiritual healing? No. Jesus, 700 years later, stood up and said, I just did all this. The healing of the leper, the healing of the mother-in-law, the healing of the centurion servant, the healing of these multitudes. I did it on the basis that just in a short while from now, I am going to go to Calvary and I am going to bear their iniquities and I'm going to take all this sickness out of here anyway. So what did he do? He healed them on credit. Come on. He healed them on credit. Glory to God. Hmm. Listen to a few translations back of Isaiah 53, uh, verse 4. The Leeser translation says this, But only our diseases he did bear himself, and our pains he carried. The basic translation says, but it was our pain he took and our diseases were put on him. Another translation says, yet surely our sicknesses he carried and as for our pains, he bare the burden of them. Here's some uh, uh, phrases from different translations of verse 5. Through his bruises, healing was granted to us. Yeah. Moffat says the blows that fell to him have brought us healing. Come on. Don't let religion take it away from you. Don't let some sincere but unknowledgeable ignorant preacher take it away from you. The blows that fell to him have brought us healing. Another one says, we are healed by the punishment he suffered. We are made whole by the blows he received. Now, this word bear, he bare or carried our sickness. This is what it means. It means 
to lift up, to bear away, to convey or to remove to a distance. Okay, so Brother Scott, I'm ready for that heavy load. Praise God. We're coming to a close here. You okay? Come on, hallelujah. You need to receive your healing. Now just give it, just put it on me. Better stay here. So, this is high blood pressure. This is cancer. This is whatever ails you. What does it say? It says, He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. The word bear in the Hebrew means He lifted them up, conveyed to Himself, took them away to a far distance. So come on, Scott, I know you always wanted to be Jesus. So here comes Jesus at Calvary. And He's going to lift it off of me. He's going to take it. And He's not going to just set it down beside me. No, He's going to bear it, convey it far away. He bare my sickness. It was mine, but He took it. I deserved it, but He took it away. He took it away from me. He took my burden and he rolled it on himself and he took it far away. Where'd he take it? I don't care. Amen. He bore it. He took it. Listen, as we close, brother, sister, there is nothing to do but receive it. That's it. That, there's nothing to do but just simply believe what is written. Believe what is written and receive it for yourself. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to be good enough. You've just come like a child. You just come like a child. And you just, with innocent, sincere, simple faith, you believe what's written. You believe the words that I have preached to you tonight. And the Holy Spirit who lives inside you, I know because He's in me, will bear witness and bring strong assurance and conviction in your own heart that the things that I've said to you tonight are true. So when I sit on the porch and my knee is writhing in pain, I just like to lift my hands and say, I see it. I see it that day. I see it, Jesus, you came that day and you took my knee pain off of me and you put it on yourself and you took it far away. And if you bear it, then I must not have it. I don't have it. He took it away. Where faith comes in is don't be bothered by the existence of the pain in the knee. 
the way we tap into and experience the realities of our redemptive rights and privileges, all of them is we, we have this living uh, revelation of the veracity of what is written. And we believe it. We believe it. We receive it. Apart from the evidence of the circumstance. Apart from the evidence of the natural. That doesn't matter. I, I, am, I am tapping into something more profound, something more greater. Instead of uh, cowering down to the natural, thinking, well, I must need therapy. I don't need therapy. I didn't need therapy. And, I, and whatever you guys do in the natural, I'm for it. You know, whatever gets you better. And, you know, I'm not against medicine either. I've taken medicine just to quiet my symptoms so I can have enough energy and mental focus to remind myself of what's written. So don't, don't just think, I'm, but I'm just telling you, there's just such a higher. Remember the mandate on this ministry? Lift the standard. When you let the acts of God's Word go all the way down to the spiritual root of that thing, and you realize it doesn't matter that something physical, something natural happened in the garden, that I turned it right, and it may just take three or four weeks, and me being easy on it, no, why don't you realize that it's, that would never happen to Adam before the fall? Right. Hello? Yeah. And I don't have to wait three weeks? Amen. You just, I'm, again, I'm not making myself to be anything. I'm just saying, faith, childlike, sincere faith in what's written will drive out and trump everything that's going on in your body. There's Carl there, right? That's your name, right, Carl? Amen. And you, Turkey, you didn't even tell me this until the other night at the tent revival. <laughs> but I don't even remember it, but about seven and a half months ago, maybe eight. Okay, so last year, he came forward. Did I have a word? Or did you just come forward generally in a line? Okay, just generally in a healing line. And I laid hands on him for healing. He was dealing with multiple sclerosis. And so bad you couldn't work, couldn't think right, couldn't even talk, you know, am I right? Yeah, just really impaired off and on, and uh, totally healed. Still healed. That was last year. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. But see, God gave your imagination. You just sit there and go back to Calvary. And see whatever that is that's messing with you. See it. Lift it off of you. Laid on Jesus. And then taken far away. You're just left there without it. He took it from you. Hallelujah. It's an eternal reality. Healing belongs to you. Belongs to you now. Isn't that good news? I said, isn't that good news? This is what causes people to say things that make religious people untrained, unlearned, untaught people, sincere, precious, but what I just described, make them madder than a hornet. When you say things like, I'm done with sickness. I'll never be, I'll never be sick another day in my life. Oh, man, people get upset with that. But it's true. Doesn't mean that the symptoms and the attacks won't come. They will. 
but the knowledge of what was done. And that it still echoes to your account. Will never change. Never change. How does God's life and power climb into a knee and a strained or an inflamed ligament or tendon, maybe torn, maybe stretched? I don't care. I don't get there in my brain about how His unseen power is going to fix my... I don't go there in my thinking. I just happen to believe that the God who created Jupiter is big enough to fix it if I just simply believe Him to. Come on, amen? amen? Stand up on your feet tonight. Did you get something out of that? Glory to God. I'm not planning on laying hands on you. Come on.